0: Was reading intentionally and consistently about that and those topics. That just by default accelerates you over 90% of the competition because they're not. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way, so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Hello, hello.
1: Welcome to episode 056 of the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. I'm your host, Angus Nelson, and it's great to have you here. If you're new to the show, this is your weekly dose of business savvy, emotional intelligence, and oftentimes a bit of inspiration. I help you master your mindset, dominate your fears, unleash your amazing, and live your most effective self. So recently, a number of us podcasters here in Nashville have been connecting on a monthly basis to create a community. We want to learn from one another, and we want to help each other to get better at what we do. And you've been able to hear from some of those individuals already. Jeff Jeff Sanders from uh, the 5AM Miracle podcast. He was on episode 009. In addition, Amber Hurdle from episode 035. Uh, She has since launched her own podcast called Bombshell Business Podcast. And today, we get to hear from another Nashville podcaster. For the past 29 years, he's been earning his living behind a microphone. First, as an award winning broadcaster, and now as a successful podcaster. He's also doing business and podcast coaching, and he's a speaker. And since July of 2013, his show is the Read to Lead podcast, a three time best business podcast nominee. He's featured interviews with authors like Seth Godin and John Maxwell, Gary Vaynerchuk, Simon Sinek, Chris Brogan, Brian Tracy, Dan Miller, and gosh, a whole bunch more. And he's become a good friend to me, and I'm super excited uh, for him to become a friend of yours too. I'm speaking with Jeff Brown today, so let's jump into that interview right now. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. I am here with Jeff Brown.
0: Jeff, how are you today? I am doing well. A little bit of a scratchy throat, but I'll, I'll try not to let that adversely impact our, our conversation. Were you cheering for something? <laughs> I, I've been uh, recording some video lessons for a course I'm I'm about to launch and uh, just been using my voice a lot today. I've had meetings, and so it's it's getting that place where... It's wanting to get tired, but I've I've hydrated prior to this, so I think I think I'm into uh, uh, well, the second wind, so to speak. Perfect. So you've hydrated. What's your favorite hydration? Is that well, even a word? Hydra- it kind of <laughs> is. Well, for me, I, what works best is um, a former radio guy and a podcaster and and occasional voiceover artist is just uh, room temperature water. Um, either that, or sometimes I'll do some. Some warm uh, tea, Uh, but I think room temperature water is the best thing for me personally. Uh, But I try to stay away from soft drinks and and coffee when it comes to when it comes time to record because caffeine is it's going to dry out your vocal cords and your vocal cords need to stay lubricated, as they say. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. yeah um, I became a um, what I would call a voracious reader uh, uh, in the podcast is called read to lead Uh, back in about 2003 thanks in part to a a boss um, a a manager a leader in, in the place where I worked who um, brought business books into the workplace and uh, suggested that that we as a leadership team meet and talk about those books and read them together. I'd never done anything like that before. And I I spent the better part of my 20s not reading much at all, except for maybe an entertainment magazine or something. Uh, so here I was in my early 30s at the time, and um, my eyes were opened to, to business books, to personal development books, things that I I was not really all that familiar with. I mean, I had some exposure in in my late teens and early twenties, thanks to another mentor, but it didn't stick. And so my foray into that anew in, in the early two thousands was was via Seth Godin's Purple Cow, and I loved it, and I, I couldn't get enough. And so um, fast forward thirteen years, and I'm still on a a, a pretty aggressive reading path, and and for me. Uh, I say aggressive. At the time, I set a relatively modest goal of a book a month. This was early 2013. But that's 12 more books a year than most people <laughs> read, right? right. right? Um, and by the time I got to the end of the first quarter of 2013, Angus, um, I was counting up the books I'd read and realized that it was closer to 12. I was like between 10 and 12. Yeah. And I remember on my way home from the radio station having this epiphany of like, well, that's like a book a week not a book a month, and I wasn't even really keeping track. Now, some of that was books; It wasn't all traditional reading because I, I I leveraged that time in the car, you know, the commute yeah. as much as I could. And um, when I said that, and I said it out loud, when I said that out loud in the car, that's like a book a week, this light bulb just went off. It was like that spoke uh, podcast mm. uh, to me. I had always thought of, and most of the podcasts I had consumed up to that point were were weekly shows, and that's just kind of how I thought of them. And and I wh- I can I, can I, I just stum- interject
1: real quick? Yeah. So, what year was that when, that you were already
0: listening to podcasts? Oh, I started in two thousand and seven. Oh, that's, wow! Uh, my early, wife, early, awesome. Yeah, for my for our anniversary that year, and our our anniversary actually is tomorrow, uh, our fifteenth. But our anniversary that year, um, my wife got me a, a fifth generation video iPod. And I started consuming uh, audio and video uh, podcasts, and so I'd been listening to them at, by this time for I guess about six years. And for about five years of that six years, thought maybe I'll do a podcast one day, right? Yeah. And so I had that epiphany on the way home. It's like here's that podcast idea I've been searching for that I've I've been struggling to find. Because I used to think, well, what in the world would I do a podcast about? What, what would I talk about? What would what would people want to hear uh, you know from me about? Uh, and when I came across that idea or upon that idea, I realized here's something I'm I, I already love. I'm already doing it. I'm already reading a book a week. Mm-hmm. I can keep that up. I love it anyway. I can talk to the authors. You know, I, I came up with this. Well, I'll, 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 interview, I'll interview the authors. I'll do one of those shows, you know, um, I'll, um, get free books, Hey, that'll be awesome. <laughs> sure. Uh, but more importantly is I'll be able to do that thing that I don't get to do enough of and that's share what I'm learning with a larger group of people because that was, sort of the one itch I hadn't been able to scratch. And that's really what I wanted to do in, you know, in a sort of a broader platform. And I realized that the podcast uh, on that topic was the answer. Hmm. Well, Let's go to the
1: transition from broadcasting in your radio background to podcasting. What was the catalyst for that? <laughs> the catalyst was
0: a shove. <laughs> it was a nice The left little... foot of fellowship? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, the company I was at, uh, I, I spent half my radio career with this company, and, and that's rare. And so I feel very blessed to have been able to do that. Um, but uh, it was at a time when some some cuts were being made, uh, some long-term changes in planning uh, was being done. And there had been two phases prior to what was becoming the third phase of a reorganization-type process and that third phase involved me and two of my colleagues at one of our stations, this particular station, being let go on on the same day. Um, we all got severance, which was awesome. You know, we we had, between the three of us, I think, spent 30 some odd years at the radio station. Um, and so uh, leaving, oddly enough, was something I had been talking to my wife about and planning to do later in the year anyway. I, I was still six months away from from being, you know, or feeling like I was ready to do that. But at the same time, I knew, though I hadn't shared this with my wife, in the back of my mind, I was already second-guessing that decision because I felt like I was where God wanted me to be. I was where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he had he had brought me that job, I felt, and here I was, uh, you know, not being or feeling like necessarily I was being given any signs to leave, but just feeling... In my heart that I had done all that I wanted to do and I, I didn't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and just second guessing and second guessing and second guessing. Well, when that happened, when the shove happened, when the push happened, uh, I always felt like that was his way of saying, um, well, now you don't have to second guess. Now you have to wonder. <laughs> now you can do this thing you've been wanting to do and now you have no choice but to do it. Now it's time to go out on your own.
1: Here's your shining guiding light. <laughs> so now you have to jump out of the boat prematurely, yeah, uh, or at least in your your plan right um take us into that emotional state of mm-hmm. probably if I'm guessing a little bit of a, a paradox of excitement and enthusiasm mixed in
0: with fear and intrepidation <laughs> well i'm I'm happy to say though this has not always been the case with other similar scenarios uh I leaned much more in this instance to excitement and anticipation to the extent that within 24 hours of this happening, my wife pulled me aside and said, okay, you're either totally okay with this or you're just hiding it really, really well, which which is what I got to know because she was, she was kind of, you know, a little nervous about everything. She had never known me not to have a job and she'd never known me to have any other job but that one. Mm-hmm. And so um, – I told her straight out. I feel totally at peace about this. Um, I, I think, in large part, because of a lot of the reading I had been doing, my my uh, sort of mindset about certain things about you know s- the security that is "quote unquote" a job, and uh, i I had a mind shift uh, thanks to people like Dan Miller and Seth and others um, that that really isn't all that secure, and, and this this <laughs> scenario bared that out. And so I had begun to get comfortable with the idea of going out on my own, something that used to scare me to death, just the idea of not having a steady paycheck, of not having a, 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 you know, a, every other Friday uh, income, that sort of thing, not having the benefits and the vacation days. That just used to really scare me, but I had gotten to a place in my heart and my mind in large part because of the reading I'd been doing mm-hmm. that that wasn't really where security was at that um, uh, That it could be found elsewhere, and also I could be more fulfilled and venturing out on my own, so when that happened, I was in that place uh, psychologically in a much better place now it 's not being in, in the in the industry that I was in, not the first time i 've been let go, and there have been other times where i didn 't handle it nearly as well, or felt you know like it was. Uh, you know, my world was falling apart. Um, I mean, I just, you know, the rug had been yanked out from under me in other instances. I remember sitting in in the office of one HR director and I just broke out in tears. I just couldn't keep, I was trying to, you know, keep a a sort of a a strong uh, uh, appearance and that I was, you know, okay. And I just broke down in her office and that that was, you know, 20 years ago, but um, this was completely different. I, I, I knew, this was exactly where I was supposed to be now I didn't necessarily know at that time what the f- immediate future income wise was going to look like, but i I had um, just a piece about the whole thing that i that um, that I knew was I uh, was in the right place I love the story of
1: uh, getting kicked out of the nest and forcing mm-hmm. you to do the thing that you know maybe you feel you were born to do called to do you know destined to do you know whatever you want to paint that. So you jumped into podcasting full-fledged. Mm. You came out of broadcasting. How much research had you done in the podcasting space mm. before you jumped in to actually start producing your own one? And then number two, what was the time frame between recording your first interview or what have you mm.
0: from the time yeah. that you left? Good question. Um, some of my friends at that time assumed because the podcast launched uh, a month after the departure, they assumed that that I launched a podcast because I was let go and that this was part of my plan. The, the reality is, is I had begun planning that podcast in March. Uh, I got let go in June. And so it was in late March when I had that epiphany on the drive home. And so April, I began uh, the research. I began looking at I, – I, I was so naive about the vast amount of podcasts out there. I was asking questions like, I wonder if anybody else is doing interview-based podcasts. <laughs> I wonder right. if there are any Anything. of those out there. <laughs> <laughs> and the, Most of the ones I consumed were uh, solo podcasts or uh, you know host in front of a camera podcast. Uh, I, I listened to Grammar Girl. I listened to Coffee Break Spanish. I listened to This Week in Tech with Leo Laporte. Habla Espanol? Uh, uh, I didn't stick with it. So. <laughs> 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 I listened to tech review podcasts uh, from folks like Callie Lewis, uh, Geek Brief Brief TV back in the day. Um, And so I was blown away when I saw, you know, just how many interview podcasts are out there. And at first I thought, well, that means my idea is shot to to hell. Right, right, right. What are we going to do? But then I thought, well, well, wait a second. Just because there are others doesn't mean there isn't room for one more. And I I wasn't able to find one uh, quite like mine. I, I couldn't find anybody else out there on a consistent basis. Interviewing authors, there were plenty of book review podcasts, but that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, I was going to um, vet the guests and vet the books before they ever got on the show. Mm. You know, the only books we're going to talk about are the ones worth talking about. You right. know? So this wasn't going to be a review thing. Um, so as I did research in April. In um, May, I began doing research on equipment and began acquiring equipment. Um, and in June, uh, the month that I got let go, I began scheduling my first uh, interviews. In fact, my first interview took place two days after I got let go, um, and that was on, on let's see, June seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth, somewhere in that range is that first interview. And on July sixteenth, a month after I recorded that first interview, is when when the show officially uh, launched. So, end of March idea, April, May, June and then July launch you jump in
1: with both feet obviously you know the whole broadcasting spiel so you're not <laughs> like me trying to like twist and turn and panic when my stuff's not working you you, you <laughs> knew all that stuff so when you launched did you launch with um, a particular plan did you have coaching to help you did you have guidance or was this something you just decided well I'm just gonna do it and figure it out as I go
0: hmm. Well, certainly the, the radio experience was a huge help in, insofar as um, I had done, I mean, thousands of interviews prior to launching a podcast where I'm going to interview people. Um, I, I understood how to format the show and, and and how to present the content. And those were all things that were second nature to me. Many of the things that weren't second nature were things that were specific to podcasting, you know, RSS feeds and how to set up my blog to accommodate it and um, – uh, even the mixer, uh, you know, presented some challenges for me at first because I, you know, at a radio station, you have an engineer, something goes wrong. Hey, Mr. Engineer, come over right. and fix this, you know. And so I was having to do some troubleshooting on my own. And despite the fact that I'd been in radio at this time about 26 years, you would think I would have acquired some equipment of my own over the years, but I had nothing. And so I had to purchase all that outright. But um, for me, uh, some of the free resources out there to figure out the equipment and figure out how to set it up. And, and, and figure out the specifics uh, related to podcasting, RSS feeds and the like, uh, came with help from people like Pat Flynn and his six-video series on YouTube. Um, uh, Cliff Ravenscraft um, has or had quite a few free resources out there as well that kind of help, helped me wrap my head around the things that I didn't know. But then really what I thought was the really hard stuff uh, for most people, uh, interviewing, <coughs> excuse me, interviewing, reaching out to people you don't know, um, presenting the content, those things that most people find really difficult were things that were second nature to me. Mm-hmm. I jumped in, jumped in head first. And as far as a plan goes, um, I, I did want to have 11, 10, 12, somewhere around there interviews done when I launched, just cause I wanted to try to work ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up having, I think seven prior to launch, which wasn't quite where I wanted to be, but I, I felt okay about that. Um, and to me, the plan was really about, and I, and I say this a lot when I speak in in front of uh, groups, especially podcasters. My plan was pra- to practice excellence with consistency, and that over time, if I were willing to do that, that over time that would uh, that would pay off. Hmm. Uh, and so that's sort of my mantra, and it was my mantra in radio. It's 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 delivering or attempting to deliver as best you can excellence with consistency, and if you'll do that long enough, I think I think people will be drawn to it. And can you take a moment and define payoff? <laughs> yeah, good <laughs> good point. Uh, well, for me, I, I was really launching a, a platform for the first time. I'd had other blogs, but nothing that I was really serious about. But for me, this was something I was super serious about. And so my platform uh, in the book of the same name by Michael Hyatt, I think, came out the year before I launched was going to be a podcast, you know, some launch with a blog, some launch, you know, with a video channel. My my foundation for my platform was going to be the podcast. And I wanted this to be something that I became known for and something that I might even be able to monetize one day. And so um, the uh, one of the first indications of a payoff, I guess you might say, was when um, I guess it was three months in when I got my first a sponsor. That was something I was actually seeking out, trying to make happen. Didn't know when would the right time would be exactly, but something I pursued. That's something that some podcasters poo-poo and don't want to have anything to do with and um, uh, don't want to you know muck up their shows with with ads and that sort of thing. But coming from the radio space, that was a very natural thing for me to consider. And I felt like with the right kind of show, matched with the right kind of sponsor, I could deliver value to them and it could be a win-win-win scenario, me and the client and the listener. And so, that first—if uh, you want to call that a payoff—that first payoff was about three months in when I scored that uh, that first sponsor, um, and they were thrilled because it, it just turned turned out timing-wise that uh, some of the early episodes they sponsored were with Chris Brogan and Gary Vaynerchuk. Right. Right. And so uh, that was that was uh, some you know great interviews with some really established people to be associated with as a brand new sponsor. So it, the timing couldn't have been uh, any better. And what
1: was it like for you to interview these people? I mean, particularly like Seth Godin, mm-hmm. someone you'd read his book years before, Purple Cow, as you stated. And now you're going to sit mm-hmm. down on the mic and have a chat with him.
0: So one of the great things about podcasting, right, is, I mean, how else would I – be afforded, you know, 30 minutes with Seth Godin by myself, just him and I one-on-one apart from, you know, hosting a podcast. I just don't know how you, how you pull that off. Right. And that's one of the things I love, uh, one of the advantages I love about the medium. But for me, it was really surreal. I knew I was going to be nervous. And so, um, based on my, my experience in history, I had some, some things I wanted to implement, some, some tricks, if you will, that I knew I was going to, uh, leverage to try to calm those nerves um so that um i i mean this interview needless to say was extremely important to me um just not because of seth and who he is but like you said he was the catalyst that kind of started me down this path and i felt best the best way to start was to let him know that 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 you know arguably he's one of the main reasons the show exists Hmm. if not for his seed planting back in 2003 it, it, it wouldn't be here and so that was a good way to sort of get into it is to is to share that with him, and just mm-hmm. you know, give that gratitude of how much that means to me. And that really seemed to sincerely uh, touch him. And so I think that really impacted um, how the interview went following that. I think it really had a positive impact. Let's talk about
1: book reading. So you start off early as a ferocious reader. Uh, I believe it was Jim Rohn, I think it was, It said, the difference between who you are now and who you are in five years are found in the people you associate in the books you read. Mm-hmm. I also mm-hmm. heard another person say, uh, I wish I could quote who it was, I can't remember, but they said, if they could find just one nugget in each book that they read, that made it worth its price.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They didn't have to like know all the constructs or all the concepts of the book. They just had to walk away with one actionable nugget. What are some of the actionable nuggets you've taken away from some of the books you've read?
0: I don't actually remember what I read.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a great reader, terrible retention.
0: <laughs> Somebody else does the reading for me and just supplies me with the questions. I'm oh, so great. Um you, you know, know a topic Angus that is really uh, near and dear to my heart in the last year and a half or so, is just this concept of sort of our, this new world of work that we're kind of getting into. I don't know if you've seen the latest issue of uh, Success Magazine, the August uh, issue. Um, uh, part of the cover says the nine-to-five job is is over. Uh, and, and and the, the article uh, connected with that talks about how by uh, 2020, I mean, we're only talking four years, 50% of us won't be a part of the traditional workforce. We'll either be working for ourselves uh, as entrepreneurs or freelancers, or if we are working for a company, we're not, we're not going to be doing that in the traditional sense. We're not going to be sitting in a cubicle when so many of us are doing things at our job that can be done from anywhere. Why are we doing them from there? You know, And um, that, that topic and, and the changes that our uh, society and our world is going through connected to that, are very fascinating to me. And so, so you're going to uh, buy my book when it comes out next year? I am. Cause I know that's a, a topic near and dear to your heart too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeff Gorins, uh, is one of my favorite authors and he's written, uh, extensively on this topic. The art of work mm-hmm. uh, is his most recent book. I know he's working on uh, a new one. Um, also, uh, let's see, Taylor Pearson. Uh, I had on my show, I can't remember what the episode number was, but He's written a book called The End of Jobs, which uh, speaks to this would probably make great research for, for the book that you're, you're working on. I know there are several others that I've read on this topic and the names of them are escape, escaping me now. But, but I'm very fascinated by this and I think that um, um, connected to that, you know, I think of our colleges and how, uh, how we're training uh, and preparing our young people uh, for the future is, is impacted, uh, by this. I'm coincidentally going to be an adjunct at a local college this fall. And, um, uh, it's something I've always wanted to do in part because, uh, I think not that one guy in one class is going to change, you know, the educational system, but I'm not that naive. I'm naive. Mm-hmm. I'm not that naive. Uh, but I, I, I relish the opportunity to get in front of young people any chance I get. And, um, let them know that the world they've been afforded, and you know this, is so far different, so so different than the one you and I came out of. Uh, just take the example of you know, my career beginning in radio. In 1987, when my radio career began, I had to have somebody's permission uh, to do that, to be heard by hundreds of people and, and only in my town, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now anybody uh, with a computer and some software and an internet connection can put out content or a show, and uh, I don't know what the count is now, but my podcast, yours probably too, is heard in I don't know 150 countries or something right. like that. You know, I mean, it's it's incredible uh, the things we're afforded today. Now, the problem with that though becomes when anyone can, anyone will, mm-hmm. and that's when um, curation becomes really valuable. I didn't realize that when I started read to lead, uh, but but publishing or. Uh, is much in, the sim- in a similar boat in that just about anybody can publish a book if they want to, right? Mm-hmm. And so in that world, curation um, and authority in, in a niche like that becomes real important. And I have found that over the last three years, listeners and fans of the show have come to depend on me to know what should I be paying attention to, what books are worthy of my time, and what ones can I, can mm-hmm. I ignore? Mm-hmm. And how have you grown personally Mm.
1: in light of reading all of these books?
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, gosh, uh, I I feel like since uh, since it began in 2003, uh, that my career trajectory uh, took off really, really quickly. Um, I had just begun doing uh, the morning show at the network I was working at. And this was my foray into, well, I, I guess I'd actually done mornings, one other stint, but not at the network level, not at the nationally syndicated level, uh, and there were there were things that I that I wanted to do beyond what was happening on the air. I wanted to to lead within the organization. I wanted to get in front of other groups and and share what I had learned. Um, many many of whom were you know, people who were younger than I was. I felt like I had some experiences to, experiences to pass on that could be helpful to uh, those in sales and those in programming and those in marketing. And so my taking on a desire to want to continue to learn and be a lifelong learner, I found and and to this day have found that you put yourself in the minority just by doing that, number one, and um, you can um, very quickly be at a place where you're much, much further ahead in whatever topic you've decided to, 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 to dive into everybody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, when it came to, for example, social media, when I was, um, at the radio station I last worked at, and I was at a place where I was wanting to come off the air and concentrate on what was happening behind the scenes. It was about 2008 and, you know, social media was still kind of this thing that most people weren't participating in. Most people still weren't on Facebook. I, I didn't join Facebook till 2008. Um, I, I think it was 2008. I think I was on Twitter in 2007. So this was very, very new. And I recognized at that time that this was going to impact, this thing called social media was going to impact a lot of industries, not the least of which was going to be radio in some way, and that we needed to get a handle on it and understand how to leverage it um, for good and how to, how to take advantage of it uh, before, uh, before others our competitors. And so uh, that's when I began learning from folks like uh, Chris Brogan. And, and diving in, into the work of some of those who were sort of early in that space, um, uh, social media explorer and, and, and the like, um, and making sure that I was going to be the guy at the radio station who understood social media better than anyone so that our stations could thrive um, in that regard. And so, because of the reading I was doing, because of the things I was sharing, the opportunities that I was taking to share that, my career. Uh, took off uh, in in that company and i I went to conferences and I went to retreats and I spoke in front of the in, the national sales team and I spoke in front of the national programming team uh, because my reading had put me in a place and, and my practicing what I was reading mm-hmm. successfully put me in a place of somebody uh, on a higher level going you know an executive or a president we need to, we need to pay attention what jeff 's doing is working. And we need to leverage what he's learned in other stations and other markets. And all of that was only because I was reading intentionally and consistently about that and those topics. Mm. And so, you know, take any example. That's just one example. Uh, but for me, um, anytime I've made it a point to do that, uh, whatever the topic is, um, that just by default accelerates you over 90% of the competition because they're not likely
1: doing that. And that's, that's an interesting point is the percentage of people who are actually applying um, content and information um, is a far fewer uh, group than the people who are talking about it or perceive that they know what they're talking about. Right, right. So how has that played out with your show uh, in doing your marketing and getting the word out for you, what have been some of the strategies or uh, advantages that you 've taken to grow your audience and and connect with people in really authentic ways
0: yeah and I love those words connection authenticity um, to me at the very heart of it is it 's about relationships, and so when I have a guest on my show, I want, it, I want them to walk away having felt like this is one of the best podcast experiences or interview experiences they've ever had. And I try to accomplish that by putting a lot of preparation on the front end into uh, research uh, and the questions I'm going to ask. I actually 30 minutes or 60 minutes before an interview, I sit down at this space I'm at now and I practice. I rehearse just like an actor uh, would, just like an athlete would practice before a game and warm up. Uh, the equipment's on, my headphones are on, the microphone's on, and I've got my rundown in front of me, and I'm walking through it. I'm doing everything I would do during the course of the interview just without the guest. It's like a, like a dress rehearsal minus the guest. Mm-hmm. So that by the time the interview starts, I'm in fifth gear. I'm not in first gear trying to ramp our way up to fifth gear. We're, we're hitting the ground running. And so I say all that to say I find that when I do that, that my guests often walk away feeling like that 30 minutes was, was time well spent. And what happens from, from that uh, oftentimes, is, and this is something that a lot of podcasters get hung up on, they try to hang their marketing strategy on, on interviewing important people and those important people sharing the episode, right, right. when it comes to, to podcasters. I find I often don't have to ask people to do that. And it's in large part because, again, they've walked away feeling like this was better than most of the interviews that they've participated in. And they recognize the level of preparation. It's obvious mm-hmm. that, that went into it. And so I'm often not having to ask them to do that. They're they're asking me, hey, when is this going live? Because I want to share it. Let me know. Let our team know. Um, and uh, by extension, they're oftentimes um, offering without my having to ask to interview or uh, introduce me rather to people in their network. Hmm. Um, uh, I've heard one, uh, a couple of podcast experts say, hey, as soon as the interview's over, ask who, they, who else they can inter- uh, introduce you to. And I, I choose not to do that because I never want somebody to think at the end of an interview or for them to, to, to wonder, did Jeff ask me on just so I can introduce him to someone? <laughs> not that that's where people's brains go automatically. Uh, but I, if I do that at all, it's, it's several weeks later. It's sort of as, as an aside. But again, I have found oftentimes folks are offering to do that uh, without my even having to ask. And so, um, again, it goes back to that thing I said early on, is, is attempting to practice excellence with consistency. Sort of that Steve Martin quote, um, I shared this at a recent talk I think you attended um, uh, from the book Born Standing Up. He says, be so good they can't ignore you. Um, and so I try to to live that out. And if there are, are People I want to pay attention who aren't. Then I look at other ways I can get in front of them. I I I know that if I can just, or I feel, if I can get, if I can get in front of them for five minutes, I can convince them to participate in what I want them to participate in. But that starts with practicing that
1: that excellence with consistency. Let's dive into that a little bit more. Someone's listening. They're working a job they're not altogether enthusiastic about. <laughs> they have either other aspirations or they want to go up, you know, to other forms of leadership. So Mm -hmm. we talked about um, reading and learning, so advancing yourself. We alluded to um, being advanced in your space, in your technology or, you know, industry. And then we talked about the practice um, of excellence. What's some other elements to help someone move the needle to something that's going to, they're going to find fulfilling.
0: Well, I think it's uh, if, if you've recognized that you're in a place right now that you don't want to be long term, you've got to begin planning now for what the next phase is going to look like. Now, that sounds obvious on the surface, uh, but that starts with a couple of things. I would, if I were that person, I would begin uh, leveraging my the, the margins of my life. That's that free time that I have, if there is any, for uh, spreading my wings, say, uh, freelance-wise or entrepreneurially speaking, uh, 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 coaching or or what have you, doing things in the margins of life while I've still got that regular paycheck, while it's, you know, I've still got some uh, safety net, so to speak, to spread my wings in those other areas. Uh, I did that starting in 2010, not necessarily knowing I was going to need it in 2013, but doing it in 2010 because I kind of saw the light at the end of the tunnel in I knew my, my interest in my, in my current industry was waning. And so I began spreading my wings several years before I needed to lean on that thing that I was creating. So that would be one thing I would implore you to do. Another thing would be to take advantage of every opportunity to dote on and share what other people are doing. I learned this from Chris Brogan. Um, I, when it, around 2008, when I became familiar first with his work, one of the things he, he impressed upon me was to share others' work, you know, for 10 or 11 or 12 times for every one time you share something of your own. And so I took that to heart. And from 2008 on to 2013, I, I tried to live that out as I made my foray into social media. And I found, though I didn't do it for this reason at the time, I found that when it came time for me to launch something that uh, people were standing in line, ready to help me share it and get the word out, and I think that was in part because I had been so freely doing that for the years leading up to that, without any expectation of anything in return or without asking for anything in return that was participating in you know, blogs and commenting on blog posts and sharing on social media work that person was doing, or saying nice things on my platforms about that thing over there, and just doing that consistently and doing it just because I it was it's fun to do, you know. Um, and I think if you'll make that a practice, um, that will that will inevitably come back around uh, to bless to bless you later.
1: Mm. And what about some of those relationships you create along the way? Mm-hmm. I know you've been really intentional to connect um, with other people and to maintain great relationships. How has that been a part of your progress and success?
0: Oh, it's been it's been huge. Um, sometimes I'm even shocked by it. Uh, Jeff Goins, who I mentioned earlier, has been on my show two or th- well three times now. He's been on more than any other guest. Um, and Jeff is somebody who I've that's known. That's because you wouldn't hire him. Yeah, that's because I wouldn't hire him. Uh, Jeff is somebody who I've known for a while and who actually interviewed with me for a job years ago. But I, I've enjoyed watching his director, uh, his trajectory and his his path, and um, and have tried to be very generous uh, in that regard. And Jeff ha- has has returned that probably tenfold uh, back to me. Um, I've been able to approach people like Jeff and say, "Hey, let's do a joint venture webinar," or. Um, Hey, uh, why don't you come on my show? And then Jeff is, he's had me on his show, I think twice now. Um, uh, Jeff is doing a a conference again this year, the tribe conference. The first one was last year. He invited me to attend last year and and speak on a panel and then turned around and invited me to speak uh, this year. That will probably be the largest uh, platform I've ever had a chance to, to leverage since I've been, been doing this, I think. Um, And that just blows me away. Um, And, and and that's in large part, I've, I believe, because of the generosity that flows back and forth in that relationship and just d- the desire, the sincere desire. And you can read that. You can see that, the sincere desire to, to want to see each other uh, succeed and, and do well. Chris uh, Brogan, we mentioned he's another who – he's just a generous guy. I know you know Chris and he's just a great guy uh, to everyone. Yeah. Uh, but unsolicited has said nice things about my work to the, to the point that I've reached out to him and said, hey, you said that nice thing. And I'm launching this course that relates to that nice thing. Can I use that quote on my sales page? And would you help me promote it? And he says, well, absolutely. Yes. And yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, And that's that's again, it goes back to the relationships. It's it's being willing to, as Chris taught me, to promote other stuff others, uh, things, uh, way more often than you're, than you're doing your own. And and that always, 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 always comes back to, to bless you in one way or another. I'm a big believer in that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Serve, serve, serve. Okay.
1: So as we, uh, kind of bring this in to a landing, you're working on some new project. Mm -hmm. You alluded to that before. What are you working on?
0: Six months into my podcast journey toward the end of 2013, I launched an online class called Podcaster Academy that uh, didn't really cover the technical aspects of podcasting but focused really on the artistic side of podcasting. And we taught predominantly about creating the content, presenting the content, interviewing. Well, there also was some uh, some cor- uh, par- portions of the course related to monetization and things of that nature. Um, but it was a very uh, hands-on version of the course where I, I walked – 20 people at a time through the course, you know, and doing live modules and this sort of very intensive, very hands-on. I set that aside for a couple of years and uh, I've been doing one-on-one podcast mentorship and coaching, uh, for the last couple of years and, um, am getting ready to relaunch, uh, Podcaster Academy and I'm parsing out the original version into independent or individual, uh, courses. And at launch, uh, the flagship course, the first course, which, uh, um, launches in late August um, is going to be all about uh, the interview process, how to interview influential people you know uh, land the big interviews and get get pro results kind of a kind of a thing and i 'm basically taking everything i 've learned about interviewing in in what is nearly i guess thirty years almost now, and then putting it into a, a four module i think sixteen or seventeen lesson course. And I'm, ex- you know, I'm excited about about relaunching it, about uh, doing the self-taught version of it. Um, even though I'm not promoting it publicly, it is live uh, and people are finding it. I've had a handful of people already purchase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I've got one or two more lessons to record, people are already purchasing the course. I'm having to like email. I'm going, okay, I'm so glad you're here. But just so you know, I'm still finishing it up. <laughs> About uh, <laughs> yeah. the time you get there to that module, it'll be done. <laughs> so so that's a good sign, I guess. But uh, I, I'm excited about relaunching that and um, taking really what I've learned uh, from one-on-one coaching the last couple of years. Um, I've been able to to hone the material to really... Uh, dive deep and I think perfect it quite a bit more from what it was in, in the first iteration of Podcaster Academy. So if anybody wants to check that out, they're welcome uh, to do so. It's simply podcasteracademy.com. So thank you for, for asking.
1: Sure. And um, so I just want, I, I, I was coming in for a landing, but I'm going to ask you one more question about <laughs> that. What What was the switch in your head mm. that gave you the authority
0: To create something like that. (laughs) It's funny you ask. Yeah, I really struggled uh, when I initially launched this two and a half years ago. I didn't get into podcasting to teach others how to do some of this stuff. You know, there are others already doing that. uh, Some who had been doing it for quite a while. I thought, you know, we don't need one more talking head going on and on about this. But I was in a mastermind group and am in a mastermind group, the same one still three years later. Um, And I had... Uh, Gentlemen around me, um, another Jim Rohn quote, I'm sure you know, as you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I'm sure I'm not the first person to share that quote on your show probably. But um, these men um, encouraged me to do this when I wasn't even thinking, Jeff, you should, you should leverage your background and do this. You have a unique set of skills that the um, other people doing this don't have a unique set of experiences there are people who want to learn from you. And so uh, even with their encouragement, I was still reluctant. But then I began getting a handful, Again, this is about five or so months into the podcast, I began getting a handful of people who listened to my show who were just randomly reaching out to me and asking out of curiosity, hey, do you do any sort of podcast coaching? Because if 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 you had some kind of a course, I would, I would buy it. And it wasn't until I began getting that unsolicited feedback from listeners. At the same time, I was getting this encouragement from my mastermind group that I went, okay, this is coming from two different re- directions. Maybe I should pay attention to this. So without that, mm-hmm. I'd probably never have the gumption, never have the confidence to actually launch and go forward with it. Uh, but because of those people in different places coming at me and, and in my corner, that, that helped make up or take up the slack in confidence that I think I, that I had.
1: Mm, I, I, I like to say we're more transformed by those that believe in us than Mm -hmm. those we believe in. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I agree with that 100%.
1: It changes everything. And so when you hang around people who you respect and you honor and you admire, when they speak into your life, it has power.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Well, Jeff, it's been such a pleasure. As we are coming now finally to the close, how can people get a hold of you? And I'll even give you another nugget. If there's something else you want to share, feel free.
0: Oh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, uh, if folks want to connect with me, uh, plenty of ways to do that online. Uh, I'm uh, the t h e the Jeff Brown on Twitter and in most social media spaces, that's my my handle. Uh, and you can reach out to me via email: jeff at podcasteracademy dot com or jeff at read to lead podcast dot com.
1: Act now! Get these freaking tsunami.
0: <laughs> Well, Jeff, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I appreciate you, man. Well, thank you for having me on the Up In Your Business podcast. It has been my pleasure, and I'm thrilled, especially in light of some of the folks you've talked to, 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 to be here, so thank you for that. I want to thank Jeff
1: for his time. He's always filled with kind and encouraging words, and he's a truly fantastic and wise human being, and I appreciate you, Jeff. So today I get to ask you, some of the things that we spoke about on this show or this episode regard to particular topics. And so my questions for you are this. What are you reading and who are you spending the majority of your time with? Those are those two things. It's what you're reading and who you're spending time with because that will determine who you are, how you grow, and what echelon you are capable of achieving. my hope for you is that you will take this assignment seriously and that you will invest in yourself reading books that will rock your world, that will take you to new levels of thought, expose you to more creative ways of seeing the world, just reading stuff that gets you out of your own head and your own existence. That's challenge number one. Challenge number two, directly related to that, is that you take a look at the caliber of people that you're hanging around with and make sure that those are the kind of people that are going where you want to go. And if not, making some different choices and joining um, a mastermind or joining some social group or joining some individuals you might know in town and assembling your own group. Be very intentional and spend time with people that cause you to get out of the routines and the habits that you are used to. That's your challenge, and should you choose to accept it, I know that it's going to do awesome and fantastic things in your life, and I want to hear about it. So if you um, want to tell me about the books that you're reading or you want to tell me what kind of impact this has had in your life, please reach out to me. I'll answer any questions that you might have in addition. You can find me on Twitter, at Angus Nelson. If you're looking for any of the links uh, and show notes from this episode, you want to join our private Facebook group, you can find all of that and more on angusnelson.com forward slash 054. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. Go ahead and tell your friends about this show because the greatest compliment you can give is a referral to someone else, either by telling them in person or sharing it on the web. Either way, I'd be most grateful. Keep taking your business up by getting up in your business. Live intentionally, love extravagantly, and lead with self-awareness. Be amazing.
0: Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co, not com.